is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. I'm Steve Poole. I'm the Director of Youth and Adult Ministries here at Cedar Hills. And uh, as we start out the new year in 2023, and yeah, it's a little hard to hear still, I'm getting used to it, it seems like there's a blank slate ahead of us. This is a year full of potential and full of opportunity. And maybe you, like others in this first week or two of the new year, have been thinking about, are you satisfied with where you are at? Are you satisfied with where you're at with your family, with your career, with your spiritual life? And I don't want to presume too much, but I, I know from watching that there's whole businesses designed around dissatisfaction this time of year. It's, I think it's called New Year's Resolutions. That's like a big signpost to say, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I've resolved to change something. If I was thinking about New Year's resolutions for, for 2023, I, if I wanted to spin it positively to our faith, this might be the question I would come up with. What would you like God to do in your life this year? What would you like God to do in your life this year? I know it's kind of a tricky question, but I asked the first service and did okay with it. Could you turn to somebody around you? Maybe you haven't thought too much about it. Is there something, what would you like God to do in your life this year? Go ahead and share for about a minute with somebody around you. It's a lot quieter than when I ask some funny questions. <laughs> it, maybe you haven't had time to think about it and you need time, but I encourage you this week. That's part of this sermon is to, to ask some of these questions and, and that maybe we can all start thinking in that direction. We're starting a series on prayer, and as I was studying it this week, here's some of the background. I was, I was thinking about, about prayer and how it seems like in our culture and in our country and our, our moment in history, it seems like prayer is like almost a forgotten thing. And uh, Eugene Pearson was talking about this, how uh, historically all people prayed. If you look at your Bible, the, the Old Testament, you, you see the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the follower of Yahweh. The problem with every other culture wasn't that they didn't pray, it was that they prayed to the wrong gods. Because historically, before the Enlightened Age came, before modernity set into our minds, the, the mystery of the world was always ascribed to higher powers. There were all sorts of gods that accounted for your health. If you were sick, you'd sacrifice to a god. If you needed your crops to grow, you'd sacrifice to a god. I even think of the Romans and the Greeks. We think of them as, as an, starting to be enlightened. Well, one of my favorite things as a kid was to read the stories of those Greek and Roman gods and, and how they interacted. They weren't necessarily even good gods, but they had an understanding of a supernatural that it somehow interact, interacted with this world and was responsible for things. So as we look at our own society, we've pushed the supernatural. We've pushed God and gods to the margin of our lives. And we trust in science and reasoning and medicine. 
So I think one of the things, not to undermine all those things, but one of the things as a Christian studying prayer, this, this I think is his, is his conclusion, for prayer means dealing personally and seriously with a God who is the central reality of life. As opposed to a culture that puts God on the margins, prayer is the striving to bring God back as a central reality of our lives. If God is no longer central, dominating all that is, was, and will be, prayer atrophies into the occasional and spasmodic ceremonial verbal gesture or a desperate lunge for a miracle, neither of which is supported in everyday life. So if you think of when I was a teenager, my biggest day of prayer was when I went to Six Flags Great America. And every line I prayed, God, please don't let me die on this ride. <laughs> Maybe you've had one of those moments. I was crying out for a miracle. I was pretty sure that this, the Batman ride where you, you, you're hanging, was gonna, something was going to happen. And, um, <clears throat> but that's not really the heart of true prayer, right? Calling out for this, this intervention only in times of need. But it's about this orienting our lives and may, recognizing that God is the center of creation and of us and our very existence and our call and our mission. So I think prayer is the striving to keep God more and more at the center. So if I started with this question, what would it look like, or what would you like God to do in your life? If I, if I rephrase that question with God at the center, I would change it to this. I think this is a much better question. What does God want to do in my life in 2023? And what does God want to do in your life, brothers and sisters, in our life as a church? What does God want to do in the year 2023? And it's a huge question. Obviously, there can be many other answers and many other questions. Maybe one of them, since we're talking about prayer, is maybe God wants you to learn to pray out loud with other people for the first time. That would be a huge step of faith. And along that line, you could say, I'm going to pray quietly by myself. I'm going to pick up a, a prayer that I got in a, in a devotional. You could go you, you version and you could get a ton of these. And you read a pre-prepared uh, prayer, and that would be a good step. Or you want to join a prayer group. On Wednesday night, we have a prayer meeting. You could come and you could pray out loud as much or as little as you want. You could hear other people pray out loud and be encouraged by their prayers. Maybe God in 2020, He's going to teach you to pray out loud, to teach you with pray with other people. Or maybe it's to keep a prayer journal. If you ask God this question, He'd say, I want you to write your prayers out so you can see my faithfulness throughout the year. If we get off of that topic, it's, it's so big. Maybe God, in the year 2023, wants to free you from your pornography addiction, and prayer could be a part of that. Maybe in the year 2023, God wants to bring reconciliation to your struggling marriage or other familial relationships. Maybe God wants you to change a job to move somewhere, even another country. We're sending missionaries this spring to another country. Maybe God wants you to do any number of those things or none of those things. But if you're willing to ask God bravely this question, God, what do you want to do in my life in 2023? I think he'll give you some really awesome answers. 
And you can do that in prayer and having this conversation with him. <laughs> I think as a church, the staff and the and the elders that have talked about this, and, and we've, we've already shared, a couple of years ago we did a focus on reading God's Word, and we read the Bible in a year, and last year we focused on memorizing God's Word, 100 verses. And even if you didn't, like me, get to 100, every verse you memorize has been a blessing to you. So this year our focus is prayer. So I think for everybody in this room, one of the answers to that question, what does God want to do in my life in 2023, is God wants me to pray more because that's a call i think our church is hearing so i'm going to teach you a simple prayer this is like if there's one thing you got away from this whole message this would be it it's from jesus it says it's lord teach us to pray uh, why don't you go ahead and pray that with me we'll close our eyes you repeat after me lord teach us to pray let's say it together lord teach us to pray I said it was Jesus from Jesus. I actually meant it, it was from, it's from the scripture. It's what the disciples asked Jesus, and that's where we're going to turn right now. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up or go ahead in your, in your apps. You can go ahead and highlight it in either place and look back at these verses. It's Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. So Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. And if you want to follow along up here, you can do that as well. Um, Luke 11, 1 through 4. And as we prepare to do this, I want to offer a blessing as we always do to you. May the Lord be with you. Luke 11, 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. It's a great prayer and in Matthew there's an expanded version of this prayer that many of us know. I think it's interesting that Luke records this question. And he doesn't record other questions he might have, have put in other contexts. He, he never records the disciples saying, Jesus, how do we evangelize? It's a really hot topic word in Christianity. How do we evangelize? He never, he, they never ask, how do we cast out demons? He does teach them that, but it's not their intended purpose like this. And this one, he never... They never ask him, Jesus, teach us to build a following on social media so we can leverage it to build a movement in a megachurch for your glory. <laughs> I don't think that was the heart of his mission and ministry either. But they do ask because they saw Jesus retreat and have a time of prayer. They knew that when he came back, he was filled with this relationship he had with his Father, with, with purpose, with identity, with, with unity, with God and his kingdom and his mission. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And I hope that could be our prayer through 2023 as a church and as individuals. As I was studying prayer, I was looking up um, great movements in the church, revivals, 
And the Great Awakening, one of the greatest and most profound revivals in American history, it happened in 1857. And it started with one humble worker, lay worker, named Jeremiah Lamphere. And Lamphere, he was burdened with the lack of spiritual concern in the church, so he started a, a noon prayer meeting with one other person. The two of them met together and prayed. And that prayer meeting grew into hundreds and thousands and off, and people started other prayer groups until there were tens of thousands of people praying. And it, it snowballed into a, a movement that where tens of hundreds of thousands of people Hundreds of thousands of people believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. And it all started with the prayer of, of two faithful saints to say, let's pray about this. Because prayer is powerful. Prayer is inviting the kingdom of God to come into our lives. His will to be ours and His work to be done in us and through us. As we think of prayer, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. They don't say, teach us how to pray, because it's not just about learning a system or a steps of procedure, but teach us not just how to pray, like it's head knowledge, but it's practice. Teach us to pray. Don't teach us how to play football. Teach us to play football. A couple, week, a couple weeks ago, I had my tackle box up here. Don't just teach us how to fish. Teach us to fish. There's a difference there, and the disciples knew it and understand. And this year, we're going to learn about prayer, but we're not just going to learn about it. It should be a practice thing. Everybody, we are saying, Lord, teach us, not about prayer, but teach us to pray. As I studied, I want to share with you another example I found that, that, that was really inspiring to me. It's from Frank Laubach. He was a missionary pastor in the 20th century. And he had this radical idea of prayer. And he called it opening windows to heaven. Opening windows to God. That's how he said. <laughs> opening windows to God. It's right here. Uh, and he had a journal he wrote out about his prayers. And they published it. And this is, one of the, this is a little excerpt from that. He said, two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction. He would answer the question, are you satisfied with No. A profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about 15 minutes or every half hour. So every 15 minutes, half hour, all day, he would work on lining his will with God's. Other people to whom I confessed my intention said, it's impossible. I judge from that, from what I said, that few people are even trying this. But this year, I started out trying to live all my waking moments in conscious listening to that inner voice of God, asking without ceasing, what, Father, do you desire I say? What, Father, do you desire I do? That was his radical opening windows to God. Every 15 minutes, at once every hour, could we pray, God, what do you want me to say right now? What do you want me to do? And in so doing, line up our wills intentionally with his and then listen to his answer. He adds later, a couple months after trying to practice this, he has some mixed results as you'll hear. He says, oh, this thing of keeping in constant touch with God, making him the object of my thought and the companion of my conversations is the most amazing thing I've ever run across. It is working. 
I cannot even do it for half a day yet. <laughs> That's the not so much. It's, he's, he's still only halfway there. Now, though, I like the presence of God so much that when a half hour or so he slips out of my mind, as he does so many times in a day, I feel as though I have deserted him and though I had lost something precious in my life. I love his description of really the presence of God that he found in a simple prayer of opening a window to God every 15 minutes, every half an hour. Maybe you can put a reminder in your phone so that you can open a window to God. I've been trying to practice this last week and I'm not there yet, but I have opened more windows than I have in the, in the past few months. And I encourage you to think about this vision, this picture, mental picture of what prayer could be in your life and listening to God. As I want to move forward in this, I want to make it even more practical. What might our prayers look like? So I took a couple examples from the New Testament. First of all, 1 Timothy 2.1, if you want to turn there. I think this is an example of Paul teaching young pastor Timothy about prayer. And I think we just have some simple, practical things. Like you're like, I don't even know what I should say if I pray. Here's a couple ideas. 1 Timothy 2.1 First of all then, I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. The phrase first of all here probably means of first importance. The first thing you should do, Timothy, is pray. And supplication is a word that means you're praying for the needs. So supplication could be praying for your needs. Intercession, if I skip prayers, intercession is praying for the needs of other people and other things. If you're praying on behalf of someone else who's sick, that's intercession. If you're praying on behalf of the church, something would happen here. You're interceding. That's, uh, that's a supplication, but for someone else, it's an intercession. So these kind of cross over a lot, praying for the needs of something else. When I looked at a commentary about prayers in the middle, that word, it maybe meant like wants. So you're praying for wants, you're praying for needs, you're praying for other people. This might be the, the prayer list, right? All the people and things I'm praying that God would do. But then he ends with a really another big call, thanksgiving. Prayers should have thanksgiving incorporated. We're praising God for what he's done and how he's been faithful. We're not going to look into it today, but uh, when I was learning to pray, I read a lot of the Old Testament prayers. And they, like you read Moses pray, he's always talking about who God is and what God has done. He's thanking God as he's praying for things. So I encourage you to do that as well. I'll just shortly in the end, I'll mention it again, but you could call this sit method. Supplication, intercession, thanksgiving. Sit. So if you want something really simple and practical, if you want to pray more this week, remember sit. Supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving. And you can be following like Timothy was taught by Paul. Another passage I really want to look at because it gets me super excited about prayer is James 5, 13 through 18. James 5, 13 through 18. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can, or it will be up here on the screen. James 5, 13 through 18. I think has a lot to teach us about prayer. Verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him 
or her, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord, verse 15, and the prayer of faithful of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven therefore confess your sins to one another and pray to one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Verse, seven, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. We see here in the conclusion that in prayer we have the power to connect with god and his power to accomplish amazing things elijah was a man it says just like you and me yet when he prayed faithfully in line with god's will it didn't rain the power didn't align didn't come from elijah the power came from god what we're seeing here is it's the same God that we pray to. It's the same power that we have in prayer to, to, to call out to God to work in these same ways. And I love how practical this is. Is anybody sick? Pray. Is anyone joyful? Pray and praise. Is anybody suffering? Pray. Does anybody here need forgiveness of sins? Pray and confess that we may be delivered. So if I was, if I was connecting, this is, the, this is the heart cry of my soul I'm hearing. Lord, teach us to pray more expectantly is what I see here. Lord, teach us to pray more for the sick. Lord, teach us to pray more for our lost loved ones. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray more for deliverance from our sins and our forgiveness from all of our vices. Lord, teach us to pray more for our leaders, our country, and our church. Lord, teach us to pray more for the lost, dark, lonely, hopeless world filled with people who are the same. I think if we had a prayer, it would be, Lord, teach us to pray more and we could fill it in with so many things but those are some i found here in james last sunday pastor kent spoke about resting in the in jesus in 2023 and finding rest and it was a great sermon i'd love for you to, to if you haven't listened to it go back and check it out but he had three points give up the burden of control give up the burden of sin and give up the burden of striving and as I was listening, I was thinking last week how much prayer undercuts all three of these griefs in our life. Prayer cuts at the core. Because when you are praying and you're acknowledging that God is the center, that God is the creator of not only this whole world and universe, but of me, I recognize that the control doesn't belong in to me anymore. By all my striving and work and attempting to control life, I could still be called home to heaven in the next moment by a heart attack or a stroke. I can try to control so many things. I can try to control the, the faith of my kids. I have influence in that area, but I can't control it. I have to depend 
on the only one who's all-powerful, only one who's all-knowing, and that's God. The burden of sin, the only place to go with the burden of sin is the foot of the cross in prayer. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a prayer that we know is answered. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. The burden of striving. I can strive really hard to accomplish my own kingdom, but when we pray like Jesus, thy kingdom come, we're recognizing that if it's his kingdom, it will only be built in his strength and for his glory. So that cuts right at the undermining of, I'm not striving, I'm, I'm working for God, but it's not in my own strength to accomplish my own ideas or my own plans or my own will, but it's all submitted to his. And in doing so, I can find freedom from striving, freedom from sin, and freedom from a controlling self-nature that wants to grab onto everything like I am the one in ultimate power. But prayer reminds us that God is the center of the universe, of our lives, and of our purpose here. So as we get ready to wrap things up, I want to offer you some next steps. Obviously, the prayer... Lord, teach us to pray. That could be your first step this week. I've written it on my, my whiteboard in the, in the office. I'll be praying it over all of you. But maybe you're setting a time every day where you're just going to do that. Or make it a refrain. Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe you're feeling good about that. You want a second step or a different step. Maybe you need to plan a way for God to, to, to have open the window to God prayers this week. Maybe once a day twice a day, every hour. You can have a open the window to God. Lord, what do you want me to say right now? Lord, what do you want me to do? Or maybe the first thing you could do is to start praying for five minutes a day and you sit, supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving. Write down two things in each category. Ten things in each category and, and move on. Maybe a prayer journal. If you've never done this before, um, Leah was encouraging me to offer you this. This is, this is her prayer journal right now. And it will be all year. What is on your heart, God? What is on your heart today that you want me to know? What is on your heart that you want me to know? And pray it expecting for God to answer. And sit and listen and write down something you hear in your prayer journal. And see how God works through that in an ongoing timeline. So these are just a few, and I'm sure we're going to have more applications as we go on, but some really good starting points. Let's go ahead and, and, and pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you not only taught us to pray, you're an example for prayer, but you're also the one who makes our prayers possible. It is only in and through Christ Jesus, our advocate. The Bible says you are our high priest sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. Our prayers are heard through Jesus. Our righteousness comes through faith, through Jesus. Father, I pray that this week you would stir your spirit in us to draw us closer so that we could experience individually and as a body of Christ more working of your spirit because we're more grounded in prayer and we're more centered on you. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.